um, I tell you, we've got a we've got a, an app that that we've been uh, talking about here lately. Uh, it goes along with the kids ministry called Parent Q. You all know what I'm talking about. And and what's crazy about this app is uh. As you can down, I downloaded it. I've heard a lot of talk about it, and I, you know, I want to be able to lead my son in the ways of the Lord and, and it, to help. And I downloaded the app, and the first thing that came up, it says, uh, "You have 857 weeks until Payson Lindsay graduates." Now, how depressing is that? I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> I thought it's supposed to be uplifting, but in reality, it was a thing. It's a reality check to me of making sure I realize that every moment counts. Everything counts, and so that as I every day I get on it, it's another day, another week taking off, and it's like a countdown to make me realize that I should be intentional with the development of my son, that I'm leading him every single day. See, so many of us do life without a bullseye, realizing there's an end to this thing, that there's a target that we need that we're supposed to hit, and if you're not intentional, you'll never hit it. And so God's really been shaping my heart about the intentionality of all of us. And so many of us go through life with not the intentions of living for Jesus. We just kind of haphazardly go to church. We may read the Bible. We may spend time with God. But we don't really do it intentional. But the center, the bullseye of our whole entire existence is the gospel. Amen? The reason we're here, the reason I'm standing in front of you today is because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the center of everything. Y'all, we'll turn to Galatians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. Um, and we're going to see. We're going to do something a little different. I, I was praying for direction, and God said, he just kept saying Galatians 2. I said, God, there's no way I'm going to be able to preach the whole chapter. He said, start, start in verse 1 and see where you go. So that's what we're going to do, all right? But... um. This ain't going to be a three-point message. We're going to go let God leads us today and preach what the text says. But, um, you know, as you're turning, the whole purpose of the book of Galatians is to make clear the distinction between the real gospel and the false gospel. And you don't have to be a rocket science scientist to realize that there's a fake gospel out there. Amen? There, there, there's, there's lies told in the church. There's a many of church congregations that's going in the wrong direction because They've believed and trusted in something contrary to what's in this book. And so if, it's so important if we are, realize that God's called us for a purpose and there is purpose for our life, then that's the bullseye. We need to be pointing to that every day. And if we're pointing to that bullseye, then we need to make sure that our life is centered around the gospel. And that's why Galatians is so, to me, is so just on point for where we are in our world today. But it, it, it covers two separate things. This whole book, it talks about lawlessness, and it talks about when um, not just lawlessness but legalist, legalism. And a lot of us, either we go one way or the other. And so it's real easy to be bought into those lies that, that the world puts out there instead of living in the true grace of the gospel. And so that's why we want to go through that. And in chapter 1, we talked about last week was that there was only one gospel, right? There's only one. You add to it, you put your spin on it, it's not the gospel. You take away, it's not the gospel. It is the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? If you polled most people in the church today, you would get a thousand different answers of what the true gospel is. And the gospel is that we were found blameless, right? Blameful, not blameless. Whew, get that right. 
We were, we, were, we were in sin. There was no way of redemption, right? So God saw mercy upon us, and he granted us a sacrifice, a perfect lamb. Jesus Christ, his son, came to live on this earth blameless to be the example, right? And lived, lived his life blameless, paid his, made a, he died a death he didn't, need to, he didn't have to die. He paid a penalty for our sins on the cross. He was resurrected from the grave three days later. And because of that action, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, it completed the process in which it paid atonement for my sin and your sin that he didn't have to do. We had no part in what Jesus did. He did it for us anyway. Y'all with me in that? That's the gospel. So that if we trust, believe, and follow Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life. Not go to church. Not have attendance. It means you surrender your life. He's the center of your life. He gave his life for you, so in return, you give your life for him. Amen? That's the gospel. There's nothing that we did to deserve him doing that. There's nothing we can do to make to, to have enough good stuff in our life that we've done to equate salvation. We can't earn salvation. There's nothing, and there's nothing we can do if we're following Christ. If we're truly following Christ, I'm going to put that in there, okay, if y'all with me. There's nothing we can do if we're truly following Christ for us to lose our salvation. That's the gospel. And, you know, that's why it's so important that we believe the trueness of the gospel. I had a family member that he was a truly godly man, but he believed that, that if that there were some things that you had to do, and if you didn't do these things, then you wouldn't truly save most godly man I ever knew. Everywhere we went, he was giving people gospel tracts. He was telling them about what Jesus did in, their, did in his life. And I'm like, man, if you ain't making it to heaven, ain't nobody going. On his deathbed, worried to death, just worrying himself to death, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? And then finally, about, about, a, about probably two weeks before he died, and after me and, and his son and several other people just constantly just telling him, this is what the gospel is. This is what it is. This is, this, is, this is what the real gospel is, and you are living it. You are a man of God. He finally accepted that and realized that he had been bought into a lie that whole time, and he finally died in peace. But so many of us go through life just not knowing what the gospel is and not really living by the gospel. And that's why it's so important because the gospel is the center of everything. If it's the good news, right, if it's the good news, then how do you say you're living in response to the good news if you don't know what the good news is, really? And so that's why Paul was trying to fix those things in, in, in it. So we're going to read through um, chapter 2 right quick, verses 1 through 10 is where we're going to start. Paul says, Then after 14 years, I went up against again to Jerusalem, this time with Bar Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not turning, I was not running, sorry, running, and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give them, give in to them for a moment 
so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, also was at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right of hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And they asked, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor and the very thing I had been eager to do all along. And you know, what was cool is that in chapter 1 of Galatians, people were saying Paul was preaching something contrary because it was something against their tradition. And what I love about Paul's heart is he'd been preaching the gospel that he got directly from Jesus. You talk about a download from heaven, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus came directly to him, and, and, and he understood the gospel, and he, he took straight um, direction from Jesus, and he began to preach what Jesus told him to preach. And he'd been preaching that for 14 years, and then all of a sudden, he's like, you know what, I want to make sure that this is right. So he goes to Jerusalem to talk to the people that had been, that, that had, that had been with Jesus, that had lived with Jesus, that Jesus had discipled to make sure that everything was right. You know, and that paints a huge picture for me because the gospel Contrary to how the church looks right now, okay, but the gospel demands unity. And you see so many churches that are so dysfunctional, it looks like our families. Come on, that's a joke. Some of y'all can laugh. I mean, it's, I mean, it's jacked up, you know? And so the reality is it's not the gospel because we live so disunified, but the gospel unifies us. It breaks down all these different walls we put up and labels we put on people, and the gospel just unifies us. What I, what I realize is when people are really more concerned about the name of Jesus, they go to great lengths to make unity. And Paul, he could have very well been arrogant, been like, uh-uh, I got mine from Jesus. I don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to do my thing. He didn't care about that. He says, look, I'm putting myself second. I'm putting Jesus first. I don't want to do anything to hurt the name of Christ, so I'm going to go and we're going to verify this. It ain't like he just jumped in the car and drove to Statesboro to make sure it was right. He went to great lengths to make sure that he was preaching the true gospel. And so to me, it shows how, how we need to be intentional with being unified as God's people. And so one of the biggest things is unity. To me, unity shows the power of the gospel. So not only was their message the same, that's cool to me. That, that shows power to me. I don't know about you. I mean, their message was the same, okay? Not only was their message identical, it was the same, but it brought unity to the people because he was over here preaching to the Gentiles, those that, that were not Jews. They were preaching to these people over here. While Peter was worried about those, the religious people that really needed to, their eyes open, and he was preaching to those people. And, and so it showed that everybody had a different task, but together there's unity in those things. See, what's cool is that y'all got to track with me because it may be a little teachy today, and I'm trying to hold my, my screaming and stuff back, all right? But the, the reality is this, is that 
The reality is this. We defame the name of Jesus when we put our preferences above his gospel. And so many times we put, and this is going to step on some toes and I may tap dance on them, but I'm just going to be real with you. The reality is this, is that we put our, our labels on people and we try to make people stand to our standard. That's not the gospel either. And so what Paul is saying in this, I want you to understand what he did, okay? He went people that were in a different nationality. He went, it was a people of a different ethnic uh, group, everything, and brought them, brought them the good news of the gospel. And then they came to the Jews, which thought they were the elite. They were the, they were the bomb. You know what I'm saying? They thought they were it. And so everybody had to conform to them. And it showed, look, it don't matter who you are or how long you've been walking with God, the, the gospel's the same, amen? And so it shows me that we have to drop our labels and drop our, our, our own, just our own agenda half the time and to say, you know what, is this a big deal or, or is, this you, is, this, is this worth causing division over or should I succumb to myself and put the gospel in the center? Is unity more important than my preference? And so I, I, it's the craziest thing is that for many people, their ethnic, their ethnicity identifies them. And it does. And it becomes a way that we distinguish ourselves above everybody else. So so, so many people, it's, they take pride in their Americanness. They take pride in, in, their, in their blackness or their southernness or their Asianness. And they take pride in that. I can go anywhere in the northern part of America, and people know the moment I open my mouth where I come from. You from Georgia, boy. You know, because of they identify the way I talk. Most of the time, I give myself away the way I dress. I walk up with a pair of Georgia boots and a flannel shirt on, they're like, he ain't from around here, boys. But I take pride in where I'm from because I, I love Millen, Georgia. I love my roots. But the moment I put my pride of where I'm from above the gospel and think that everybody's got to conform to me and to what my perception of what Christianity is, that means I start preaching a different gospel. How many of us preach a different gospel with our lives? We put our ethnicity, our, ethnicity, our I can't even say it, our color, our race, that we put it above that. And see, I want you to understand our culture is a beautiful thing. And it's created to reflect God's glory. But when we put, we put our, our southernness or our blackness or our, our Hispanicness, we put our culture, we elevate it over God, then it says that this is more important than the gospel. And that's not right. And it causes division. Look in our communities. We've got divisions everywhere because we elevate things that we think is the most important, and it's not. And so that's what, and that's what I love about this text is that what happened was, was Paul was bringing people over there and saying, look, the gospel crosses denominational lines. The, the gospel crosses economical lines. It, it crosses race. It crosses color. The gospel, everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. Amen? And so the thing is, if we're not careful, we become so proud of who we are and what, you know, and what God's made us that we became so, we're, we're, we protect it and we're defensive if anything comes against those things. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Southern born, Southern bred. I grew up and, and but you know what? And y'all may, some of y'all may want to crucify me when I say this, but the thing is, I don't care for the sake of the gospel about any kind of Confederate stuff. 
I don't care about a Confederate monument. You may be upset about that. I'm sorry. But the thing is, to my heritage, yes, I like that. But to, to compare it to the gospel, it has no comparison. And you know what? If it's going to cause division between me and my brothers of another race or another ethnic the, the persuasion, any kind of different thing, if it's going to cause division in that, then guess what? It don't matter. And so we got to start clinging to the cross instead of clinging to the things of this world. And when we start doing those things, what happens is when we say we love someone of a different race or different color, but we don't act that way, it shows them by the way we put ourselves second and Jesus first. And so the gospel demands those things. And I want to ask you a question. Do you really, when we elevate ourselves, when we elevate our heritage, when we elevate all these things, we're putting the gospel second. And when we do that, I wonder if anybody ever really, everybody, if you ever really understand what the gospel is. I mean, if you back it way back, you go, how about go to the beginning, huh? Go to Genesis. Where have we all come from? Adam and Eve, one race. We're one race. Come on. We're one race. We all started at the same place. we all family. And so it's one race. We all have one problem. What's the one problem we all have? Sin. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sin in our life. We all have the same common ground. But the only, what's the only hope we all have? Jesus. That's the common ground. That's the gospel, right? I love that. See, so why is, why is it important that we boast about our, our nationality, our race, or any of those things? Why is it important that we boast about those things? When where, Where's the, the superiority in that? Where is that? You, you go to another country, and people put Americans up on this pedestal like you're superior to them. And, and I remember going to Argentina, and I get off the plane, and, and you know, they know that you're from America when you get off the plane. And, and we get on a thing, and we're going, and I see people started treating me differently. And the, and the guy that was um, helping me hunt, he was, my little, he was the bird boy, um, he, he started really trying to treat me like a king. Like he was like, here, hold on. He made my little bench, and he said, you don't, don't do nothing. I do everything. I was like, look, man, I had to get my little, you know, my southern dialect and his strong Spanish didn't kind of meet, so I had to get my little interpreter, and it didn't even understand me half the time. But I was like, we are the same, and it did his little thing. And I said, I'm not no better than you. Not no. It did pick that up. I'm no better than you, and he's, he's listening. I said, you have a job to do, and I have birds to kill. That's what I told him. So don't treat me like a king. Treat me like your brother. And he's, he just looked at me, and he was like, okay. And there was a respect there. There was a, there was a, there was a friendship there, a kinship there, when he realized that I didn't put myself up here and him down here. Because if I had done that, there would have been no way for me to be able to talk about Jesus to this man that needed Jesus. Because I would have had the superiority of this righteousness about me. But when I told him that we were the same, it brought us down right here. And about the third, third day there, he found out that I was a pastor. And it was like, I had to have the same conversation. I'm no better than you. I'm just following Jesus. Now, let me tell you about Jesus. And, and, but see, that's the thing. We, we put our 
We, a lot of times we make ourselves out to be superior to other people because we elevate ourselves and who God's made us over the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's wrong. And it causes disunity, and it causes problems throughout the whole church. I love what Philippians says. I love, man, I love this, um, this part, what Paul says in here. Philippians 3, um, verse 4, the end of it, he says, it's on the screen. Uh, if you can't turn fast enough, but it says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more reasons. So I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Judah, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisees as, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteous based, righteousness based on the law, I was flawless. But whatever, so what he was saying that first, he said, look, according to my nationality, I was cream of the crop. When you put Jews on there, I was a poster child. I was in Webster. You know, my picture poked come up there. When you said a Jew, it was his picture. He, I was poster child for it. But he says, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't care about that. He says in verse 7, but whatever, we were, whatever was gained to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth and knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ and the righteousness that comes from God is based on faith. Man, I, I just love that because what he's saying, he's like, look, who I am and who, who I was does not matter in regards to Jesus because he's a sinner, right? He's more important than all this other stuff. He's more important than my Jewishness. He's more important. I want to break it down a little bit closer to us, all right? God's called us to be a church that reaches black, white, African, uh, uh, come on, Hispanic, come on. Every, every, he's called us to be a church that looks like heaven, right? For us to do that, we got to get over us being white. Come on. I'm just going to be real. We got to stop. Look around. It's just us for the most part. And you got to love your neighbor enough to say, you know what, brother? Come to church with me. You might, you know, come be. You got to love them before. You got to love someone before they're going to want to think that you're going that you want to bring them to church. Most people you invite to come to church, they think that all right. I want you to come to church because you think I'm bad and you're good and you want to fix me. Instead of saying I love you, brother, and I want you to be in my life. You know what I'm saying? See, the gospel takes all that garbage that we hold on to and, and, and all that, we, we identify ourselves. It takes all that, and it, Paul says it's garbage. He considered it worthless in the all-surpassing knowledge of Jesus. And when we get that, we put ourselves second. We put our preferences second. We put what we believe, what we think second, and we bring it all back to the centrality of the gospel. Amen? And so the thing is, it says when, when, we become, when we're Christians and, and, and we begin to orient our culture that way, things aren't important like they used to be. I remember when I met Jesus for the first time, I started seeing people of different races differently. That was, to me, that was a big litmus test that there was change. And I began to love my brothers and, and sisters in Christ, no matter what color, no matter what, where they were, no matter any of that thing. It, it, just, it, it changed my heart. 
And you know what? I, I, I had rebel flags. I had all those things. And, I, and you know what? Those things meant nothing to me anymore. I threw them in the trash because it didn't mean a thing. Because I didn't want to offend anyone because I was trying to put my heritage above Jesus. And so those things I put down because I wanted to reach people that knew that I truly cared for them, just like Jesus does. I'm getting real in here. Y'all getting quiet. I I love, I love what Tony Evans says. I love Tony Evans. Um, And he's a black man. He's a preacher. But let me tell you, he can out-preach most people I know. That man can go. But anyway, he says this. He says, the racial application to Paul's teaching here in Galatians 2 is that, this is for you English teachers too. Don't worry, I'm going to break it down. Is that technically, is it, that is technically incorrect to say that I'm a black Christian or I'm a white Christian? Because now you've made black and white objectives and Christian a noun. And the job, and the job of the objective is to modify the noun. Y'all with me? So now you've got to be Christian. You've got to keep Christian looking like the objective. Or it ceases to be a Christian. So whatever you put in front of Christian modifies what being a Christian is. Also, whatever you put in front of the word church modifies what church is. So it means that in order to be a Christian, you have to be white. White Christian. No, that ain't gospel, is it? In order to be a black Christian means you got to be black to be a Christian. Not ain't what the gospel says. In order to be a part of the church, you got to be part of the white church. Come on. No, that, the church ain't white, is it? No, the church, yeah, it, it, it kills me. Oh, they came from the black church. Like, come on, it's the church, right? We all the same. See, what happens is, is we allow our racial, uh way we grew up, all that stuff, to, to put labels on people. And we start labeling people according to their nationality, according to their color, according to their, their race. And what happens is, is you elevate those things above the child of God in which they are. One of the things that bothers, it just it, it's a pet peeve of mine, is somebody's like, yeah, that, that, that black girl. And, and I've got a friend of mine that I love dearly, and, and people refer to her as, as, yeah, the black girl. And I'm like, no, 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 she's just the girl. She's just a girl because you're putting her race above her person. And so you're throwing shade on her race, so therefore you're throwing shade on her as a person instead of just loving her as who she is. And if we would start doing that, people, man, God, people would see the love of God in us. But instead, we put these labels on everybody, and there's these divisions everywhere. And God didn't envision his church to be divided. Same thing about church. Same thing about church. I grew up Baptist, and, and, and I love Baptist. But we say the Baptist church. The church ain't Baptist. The church is the church. The church ain't Pentecostal. The church is the church. And see, if we would start love, learning to love our brothers and sisters in the church, we would see more people come to salvation because we start putting these lines in the sand. Oh, you got the, you, the Pentecostal over him. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, over him. Oh, there's that line. Oh, there's them Baptists. Them, ooh, them hard-headed people over there. You know, you, you, do, you put these lines in the sand. And when you do that, what happens is it causes division. And it thinks that, okay, to be a Christian, I have to believe this way. 
And if I don't line up with the Baptists, then I'm not right. I'm not, I'm, if I don't line up with the Pentecostals, I'm not right. In the reality, both of them got it wrong on certain areas. We just own it up to it. I've told people a thousand times, if you could, if you could take the Baptists on how, they, how they're intentional with discipleship and, and just focused on making disciples, and you take the Pentecostal on how they, love, how they love the gifts and exercise the gifts, and you merge them together, then you'd probably have the most accurate vision of what Jesus wanted the church to look like. But we won't get over ourselves and our preferences in order to come together. And it causes that division. And it paints these lines in the sand that the world outside these doors don't understand. The gospel unifies. Amen? We got to get over our preferences. See, I want you to realize that there are no superior races. There's no superior denomination. Everything is level at the foot of the cross. That's what Paul's trying to say here. He's trying to tell us that unity is more important than all these things. And the core, the core reason of our division most of the time is that our second identity has been too large in our eyes. See, our first identity should be, we should, our identity should be in Christ, right? He should be the center of our life, right? And who we are as a person should be second. Now, a lot of times we allow ourselves to be first and Jesus is in the back seat. Notice I said back seat. He ain't in the passenger. He ain't telling you nothing. He ain't giving you navigation directions. He ain't telling you a thing. You told him to sit back there and shut up because you got this. But when he's the center of your life, you put your preference back. You put your opinions back. And when you used to have an opinion, or you have a preference, you bring it to the foot of Jesus. You bring it to the gospel, and you say, is this right or is this wrong? Before you even open your mouth. And if we would start doing that, we would see a lot more unity. We would see a lot more love. And we see a lot more people come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because we put ourselves in the way of the gospel. And it breaks me some days. It really breaks me. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I became all things to all people so that by all means I may win some. He didn't say I just remained who I always was. He says, I, I wanted, my heart was, because I knew how deep the depths of hell was. I knew how desperate it is to walk in a relationship away from God. I knew those things so that I was going to do whatever it took to win people to Christ. You don't have that heart. You don't have that heart if you're not second. You know, I, I love my Georgia boots and my Carhartt jeans and whatever kind of shirt this is. I love it. This is me. This is Jeremy right here, all right? But if, you, if, if God said, Jeremy, you got to go to the sub suburbs of Atlanta and preach. When I walk in the door, they're going to say, redneck, I ain't listening. I'd have to call Dallas, be like, Dallas, tell me your wardrobe down here. I need some skinny jeans and some spares. Can you stretch them a little bit? Because I ain't going to be able to wear them because they're going to be high waters. But can you help me out? Because I, I'm going to get over my preference and do whatever it takes so that people can get the gospel. Amen? Because I'm getting over me and putting Jesus first. Some of you got so sidetracked thinking, I'd love to see you in a pair of skinny jeans. No, you don't. It's horrible. <laughs> but the reality is this. We got, guys, we got to get to the place to where the gospel is the center thing in which we operate out of. And we put our opinion second. And that's what he was saying there. 
for the unity of the church was more important than any preference that he had. Is it that way with you? You know, we're not, we don't have our identity wrapped up in the gospel. When that's not the center of our life, it's easy to get off track. It's easy to be swayed in other directions. It's easy to fall to the temptation of the approval of others. Amen? It's so easy. And then what do you get labeled when that happens? A hypocrite. Because the way you're proclaiming and the way you're living are different because you're swayed by the people you're around. Why? Because he's not central. It's your ego that's the most important thing. See, Paul dealt with this. Peter lived this. In Galatians 2, chapter 11, I mean, chapter 2, verse 11, he says, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcised group. The other Jews joined him in in his hypocrisy so that they led others, Barnabas, astray. And Paul says, when I saw that they were acting not in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. And we'll stop there. See, guys, one of the most important things that we can do is keep the gospel central in our lives. And and, and the part of unity is great, but see, the reality is it all goes back to our identity in Jesus. And here was Peter. Jesus says he called him the rock. He was the first rock. He says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He tells Peter he's going to build the church on him, but yet Peter fell in hypocrisy because he was so worried about people thinking, seeing him associate with other people, so he changed the way he was acting when he was around other people. How many times do we as church people do that around the lost? Oh, we'll talk to our lost buddies, but then when you see somebody that you know is a Christian, you're like, "Uh, we'll talk to you later, man. See you later. We just, we just kind of get away from it because we, we think that, oh, because I'm associating my life with them, that means they're going to associate me with their sin. You need to get over you and start getting back into Jesus because if your life is centered on Jesus, you don't care what nobody thinks but Jesus. And it takes those lines in the sand. See, well, a lot of us live in a life of hypocrisy because we're worried about everybody else instead of worrying about Jesus. And if he is the good news, then he's the good news you should live by, no matter who you are around. If you're around church people, praise him. If you're around lost people, point them to him. Amen. By the way you live, by the way you love, don't cause this unity in your heart by by trying to, to show that there's two separate standards that you should live by. And it's just crazy how, I mean, hypocrisy hypocrisy is a real issue in the church today. That was the biggest excuse I gave. I had a friend of mine, he was like, won't you come back to church? Man, that place is full of hypocrites. He said, so is Walmart, but you go there. I was like, mm, you got me. He said, the only reason is, what, you going to, what are you looking for when you go to church? He said, you go to Walmart because you're looking for something to feed you internally. He said, when you go to church, you're looking for something that's going to feed you spiritually. 
Don't worry about those. That woke me up. See, we, we can't be those people that are causing other people to stumble. Hypocrites lead people astray. See, I just, I'm just going to tell you, church, that when we claim the gospel and our life is secondary, then the gospel becomes the center of our life. And I want to tell you something. From the bottom of my heart, if Jesus Christ is not the center of your life, you don't know Jesus at all. You may know of him. You may have associated your life with him. But if he's not the center of your life, you don't know him. Because the good news of Jesus means that I put myself second and I put him first in everything. Amen? And we preach these things. Oh, you got to be baptized. You got to say the sinner's prayer. You got to do this, this, and this to be saved. But the reality is if you truly surrender your life to Jesus, you'll want to do those things. Your heart will change. Your life will change. You will begin to see things fall off of you that you never thought you could rid yourself of. You know why? Because you got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The gospel changes things. The gospel, when you center your life on him, a lot of you have not experienced life change because your life is not centered around the gospel. And so in order for your life to change, today needs to be a day of redirecting. Today needs to be a day of surrendering. Today needs to be the day that, you know what, I'm getting over me today and I'm putting on Jesus. You need to take off you like a robe. Take it off today. Lay it in the floor and pick up the righteousness of Jesus Christ by surrendering and giving your life to him. That's the only way that happens. You can come to church all day, all you want and not change. You can read your Bible all you want and not change. But when you truly surrender and give your life to God and center him, in your life. That's when everything changes. And that's the gospel. We can paint it all you want to paint it. But the simple gospel is Jesus came to save you, to change you so that your life looks like his and that you live with purpose for him. That's the gospel, church. And so many of us looking for validation and all these other things. That's why hypocrisy hits the church so hard. It's because we're looking for other people to validate us instead of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to validate us. Guys, I got 856 more weeks for my son. Every day counts. And I'm not trying to scare any of you. I want you to realize that all of us have an expiration date, just like on the back of that milk carton. Every one of us, the moment you were born, you were stamped with an expiration date. Who knows what day you're going to leave this earth. But the only thing that matters in the end is was your life centered on Jesus. All this other junk that we struggle with in the church would all be stomped out if we put him first above ourselves. People split churches because of color on the, the way they paint the church. I've heard churches that split because one wanted to paint it green, one wanted to paint it beige, and they got mad. One painted it, they painted it green instead. The ones that wanted it beige, they left the church and started their own. Why? Because they got mad about their own preference. It's stupid. And it shows like there's no power in Jesus because I just left a community of believers because of paint on the wall. God called us to be together and be unified. 
We've got to get over ourselves and bring every decision to the surrender and the goodness of the gospel. Amen. I got a lot more. But guys, the most important thing that we can do is I can preach the rest of this chapter, but God just keeps prompting me to just go back to the whole thing of centering your life on the gospel. Because living a life victorious away from sin is only possible through the gospel of Jesus. Loving your neighbor is only possible through centering your life on Jesus. Walking away from addiction, walking away from from friends, walking away from family, walking away from those things that don't please God, that only happens when your life is centered on Christ. The hardest thing I ever had to do was was walk away from friends that I had did life with my whole entire life because they weren't going to change. And if I stayed in fellowship with them, I was going to go back to the old me because I knew me. And I was in a road, I mean, I remember, I mean, I was just saying, I was at a dividing point in my life. And I was just torn. And, I, and me and Serena was on the couch one night. And I was like, baby, it's just like this thing. It's like, are we going to, are, are we for real about following Christ? And if we're for real, then they got to go. Because if I love Jesus like I say I do, then there's some things I got to cut out of my life that don't please him. We took that step that day, and I ain't looked back. But if I would have stayed there, worrying about people's opinions, worrying about what they were going to say, oh, they said stuff. But if I was going to worry about them, then I would have said, you know what? My comfort and what people think about me is more important than the gospel and more important than the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. What's more important, church? Today's the day that some of you need to make a decision. And this is, one of them, this is one of them type messages to where you're going to sit on the pew and say you're okay and lie to yourself and everybody else, or you can be real. Some of you have never truly put Jesus at the center of your life. Therefore, you have never truly trusted in him. You've been to church. You can put as much fanciness on it that you want to. Sabrina made mashed potatoes the other day. I can put as much salt and as much pepper on there all I want, but guess what? It's still mashed potatoes at the end of the day. You with me? You can come to church. You can lace it with, 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 with reading your Bible. You can have this old fancy Bible cover. You can bring your notebook. You can bring five different color pens. You can take all the notes you want. If your life ain't centered on Jesus, you're going to go home and sit it on the counter and pick it up next Sunday. Church, your, the question I'm asking you today is this. Is your life centered on the gospel? Are you centered on Jesus? Is he the reason you wake up in the morning? Is he the, when you go to bed, is he the last thing you think about? Because when you realize what he's done for you, when you realize that he died for you, that he didn't have to, he did those things that he didn't have to for you, when you realize those things, it changes everything. And it's like, I want to give him everything. I want to quit everything. When I first got saved, I wanted to quit my job and just start running and preaching in the street. And Sabrina was like, no, you can't do that. Because I'm not living in a box with you. But, but that's what, it, it, it fires you up because you want to reach people. You, want, you put yourself second. Church, am I asking you this today? Are you second? Are you willing to sacrifice your preference for the sake of the unity of the gospel? Because you know what? 
December 31st will only be one service, one time, where only us got a chance to experience what it meant to worship with our brothers and sisters of a different race and unity and freedom if we don't continue to pursue that and get over our preference and say, God, do what you want to do. Amen. So I want to challenge you today. This is the time for you to respond. I'm going to close out. I just feel like God's saying stop here. And that's what we're going to do. But if you're here today and you've never truly given your life, he's not the sinner. You may have raised your hand one time. You may have got baptized one time, but he's not really the sinner. Come on. You've been going through this religious mumbo jumbo. Uh, Paul called it garbage. If it's not centered on him. So has your life been a bunch of garbage or is your life centered on Jesus? If your life is not centered on Christ, I challenge you to raise your hand today and say, that's me. I want to surrender my life and give it to Jesus. If that's you today, I want to challenge you. Raise your hand so we can celebrate with you. Okay, everybody's good. Everybody's saved. Everybody's sanctified. Everybody's set free. Huh? Everybody good? Some of you need to tell you face that because you look like you don't know what you're doing. The reality is this, church. Only you know your heart, but God knows it more. And the reality is this. If he was the center of all of our lives, this room wouldn't hold the people to see the reality of it. Because people are hungry for transparency. People are hungry for realness. And if he was the center, and there was such a dramatic life change, people all around you would say, what you got that I don't have? So this is your time to respond. What is in the way? My brother Bobby sent this out the other day. What is in the way of you loving Jesus more? I'm gonna ask you today, what is in the way of you putting yourself second right now? What is in the way of you walking closer to Christ? Is it, what is it? I can name all kinds of things. I can name people. I can name circumstances. I can name all this stuff, but only you know why you are staying in where you are instead of allowing your life to be centered on Jesus. If you will, stand with me. As our worship team comes forward. My heart is that you be real and you be transparent with yourself. And where, where are you at right now? Where's the struggle at? What's going on? Like I said, we only have a short amount of time here. That means that we need to make sure that every second counts, right? That I'm right. That I'm going to work in the morning with the right mindset. You know what I'm saying? That I'm going, not thinking about me. I'm thinking about Jesus. How am I going to paint that picture? How am I going to show my coworkers that I'm centered on the gospel, that I put my, my, myself second? And the way I go home and talk to my wife, like, well, what's going on with that, church? Are you second or are you in first? Because if we were truly second, if he was the center of our life, things would change. So maybe the problem that you've been beating your head against has not been nothing but yourself. And today is the time for you to deal with that. When they start singing, when I start praying, if God's speaking to you, y'all come and let's, let's get right, amen? 
Amen. There's no time to waste. There's no time to worry about what this person's going to think about me if I go to the altar. There's no time to worry about all this junk. Are you worried about what people think, your ego or Jesus? Let's get real and let's get right. Amen. Amen. Father God, we come to you right now. And God, I just pray, Father. God, there's so many people here that they're okay with being religious, God. And Lord, I'm not okay with that anymore. God, I pray that you would just help us, God. Lord, it seems like it's engraved in, in our hearts, Lord, that it's okay just to show up and go home. And God, I pray that you would invoke life change in our hearts today, God, that we wouldn't be okay being the same person anymore, that we wouldn't be okay putting ourselves first, that we would put ourselves and our preferences second, God. Lord, I pray that every decision that we make today and going forward, Lord, would be in contrast to your gospel. Lord, if it's where I'm living right now, if it don't please you, God, if I truly got you and I truly love you, you're the center of my life, then God, I would change that for real. But me staying still shows that I don't truly love you like I say I do. God, if, if there's bitterness in my heart toward my brother, if I don't take action and do that and, 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 and for the sake of the gospel, then Lord, it shows that I don't believe what I say I do. Lord, I pray, God, that you would get rid of this hypocritic spirit that's in our hearts, Lord. And God, we would be a people that truly love you. God, move in us today. I beg you, God, because time is short. God, put a sense of urgency in us. God, please, change us. Change me. In Jesus' name.